I'm Richard. And I'm Gary. And these are our incredible stories. can tell that that's not our normal opening music that signals another scary story to tell in the dark uh, from alvin schwartz and we'd like to welcome every single one of you from across the united states florida california and many points in between as well as around the world welcome 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 it is a privilege once again to uh, be able to share this time with you and hopefully uh, provide you with a little entertainment and relaxation wherever you may be. Now, I'm going to turn the microphone over to our spookmaster, number one, Gary. Oh, yes. Uh, today is a kind of rainy day around here. And what better way to spend your rainy day than telling some ghost stories? So uh, I've got a good one. Uh, one that I really like from uh, Alvin Schwartz's book, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, and it's called The Window. So go ahead and sit back, relax, get yourself cozy, maybe turn off the lights, find a blanket to throw over your shoulders or your lap, and let's get to reading. Margaret and her brothers, Paul and David, shared a small house at the top of a hill just outside of the village. It was so warm one summer night that Margaret could not sleep. She sat up in her bed in her dark room, watching the moon move across the sky. Suddenly, something caught her eye. She saw two small yellow-green lights moving through the woods near the graveyard at the bottom of the hill. It looked like the eyes of a small animal, but she could not make out what kind of animal it was. Soon the creature left the woods and moved up the hill toward her house. For a few minutes, Margaret lost sight of it. Then she saw it coming across the lawn towards her window. It looked something like a man, yet it did not. Margaret was terrified. She wanted to run from her room, but her door was next to the window. She was so afraid the creature would see her and break in before she could escape. When the creature turned and moved another direction, Margaret rushed to the door, but before she could open the door, it was back. Margaret found herself staring through the window at a shrunken face like that of a mummy. Its yellow-green eyes glistened like cat's eyes. She wanted to scream, but she was so afraid that she could not make a sound. The creature broke the glass of the window, unlocked the window, and crawled inside. Margaret tried to flee, but the creature caught her. It twisted its long fingers in her hair and pulled her head back and sunk its teeth into her throat. Margaret screamed and fainted. When her brothers heard her panicked scream, they rushed to her room, but by the time they got to the door and unlocked it, the creature had fled. 
Margaret lay on the floor, bleeding and unconscious. While Paul tried to stop the bleeding, David chased the creature down the hill towards the graveyard, but soon lost sight of it. The police thought it could be an escaped lunatic who believed he was a vampire. When Margaret recovered, her brothers wanted to move to a safer place where it would be hard to break in. But Margaret refused. The creature would never come back. She was sure of it. But just in case, Paul and David began to keep long pistols in their room. One night, months later, Margaret was awakened by a scratching sound at her window. When she opened her eyes, there was that same shrunken face staring in at her. That night, her brothers heard her cries in time. They chased the creature down the hill and David shot it in the leg. But the creature managed to scramble over the graveyard wall and disappear into an old burial vault. The next day, Margaret and her brothers watched as the sexton of the church opened up the burial vault. Inside was a horrifying sight. Broken coffins, bones, and rotting flesh were scattered all over the floor. Only one coffin had not been disturbed. When the sexton opened it, there lie the creature with the shrunken face that had attacked Margaret. The tail-tail bullet was still in its leg. They did the only thing they knew to rid themselves of a vampire. The sexton built a roaring blaze outside the vault and fed the shrunken body to the flames. They watched as the body burned until nothing was left but ashes. Ooh. <laughs> Alvin Schwartz always mm. delivers, doesn't he, Gary? Always. You know, um, his uh, scary uh, stories to tell in the dark uh, was one of the most banned books in school libraries across the United States. Yeah, we've talked about this uh, every time we... Uh, tell an Alvin Schwartz story, but really it wasn't so much his stories that uh, were the problem. It was the artwork, artwork by Stephen, Stephen Gamel mm -hmm. that, uh, that caused that. And it's incredible artwork. I, lo I love the artwork. And that's, I think primarily why so many kids like to check it out is because the artwork is so fantastic and so unusual and macabre that you just can't not look at it. Um, so but fantastic. Even though it wasn't allowed in school libraries, um, well, it kids, is now. kids and young readers could find it. <clears throat> and uh, it's one of the most popular books uh, out there for right. for young readers. Yeah, and it, it is available in libraries now. That was during the late 80s, early 90s that the band was put out there. But since then, um, they've done reprints and everything, and, and you can buy it. A, a lot of the scholastic book fairs will sell them and, and whatnot. But if you're going to buy one, make sure it has the original Stephen Gamel artwork. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're missing out. If you get the, the reprints that were done with uh, the new art that was done by a different artist, you'll be uh -uh. sorely disappointed. But that being said, uh, getting back to the story, um, vampires. Vampires uh, in folklore have been around for a very long time. Do you know what uh, person, real person, associated with vampires made his way into a popular novel. Mm, I can't think of who it is. Vlad Tepish. Vlad the Impaler. Oh, okay. But you might know him as Count 
Dracula. Made popular by Bram Stoker. From Transylvania. Yes, Romania. Um, so, but he's only one part of the legend. There are so many stories of vampires, and believe it or not, in some uh, rural European countries, I don't know if they still do it now, but up to a certain point, they would bury the bodies feet down, head up, to make it more difficult for the body to get out of its grave if, indeed, it were to become a vampire. Mm-hmm. I bet our listeners in Romania could uh, fill us in on Vlad. I think he was Vlad the Impaler and and Count Dracula and, and those uh, burial customs. Well, that, that, the burial customs is different. That's a totally separate thing. That's kind of a... Like I said, in, in parts of Eastern Europe and in rural parts, that was a, a custom. But uh, and Vlad, I can see that happening because uh, space in those countries is very, very limited, Gary. So you can't have sprawling well, cemeteries. So I was, could see the. Uh, yeah, it had nothing to do though with with space. I mean, you know, of course, you'd be able to fit a, little, a lot more bodies in there. It had everything to do with the fact that they didn't. If they were going to come back, they wanted to make it super challenging. Mm-hmm. But as far as um, uh, Vlad the Impaler um, is actually seen more as a hero in Eastern European countries than a, a villain because of what he did to protect uh, his country from uh, invading other invading countries. Mm-hmm. It was Bram Stoker who um, made him popular as the uh, yeah. undead prince of darkness. Um, but uh, vampire stories have been around for a very long time, and they all have their own mythology. We're going to have to uh, do some research on Bram Stoker. He sounds like somebody who's one of those extraordinary people who would uh, qualify Mm -hmm. for one of our incredible stories. Absolutely. You know what they sold to Americans who were traveling through Europe back in the um, 1800s and 1900s, early 1900s? Vampire kits. Vampire kits. You could actually purchase. If you were planning on going... uh, vacationing in Europe and uh, didn't want to have to deal with pesky vampires, uh, you could purchase yourself a, a kit probably from J.C. Penney's or Sears back in the day that would come with a, a, a steak. Um, I think it had wolfsbane, silver. We have one. Yeah, yeah one that was manufactured by us, <laughs> um, but inspired by the one that we saw over at Ripley's, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, also had a kit for making your own silver bullets. Yeah. Um, and some of the uh, folklore... Now, popular in film, uh, vampires have an allergy to light, uh, crucifixes, and garlic. But in some cases, uh, much like werewolves, uh, vampires do not like silver and um, are often repelled by the crucifix, but are not stopped by sunlight. They are slowed down. They are the weakest in the sun, mm-hmm. but are not stopped by the sun. A and, little bit of vampire. Yes mythology a little bit of vampire mythology yeah. <laughs> you may turn on your lights folks yes, yes you may turn your lights back on wait are there two glowing eyes outside of your window Ooh, check 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 your window. you better check or check shut the win- windows check your windows now and make folks. sure that that door is not locked so you can escape as fast as you can if need be if need be Oh, my gosh. You know what? I'm getting a little bit freaked out. I think I'm going to have to go now. I think I'm going to escape, too. Okay, all right. Let's go. Let's go. Oh. Oh, no. You just got bit. 
Oh. Oh, oh again. Just get away from him. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to take care of those. But you've got some uh, Band-Aids over here. All right. Until next time. Uh-huh. I'm Richard. And I'm Gary. And you're looking a little bit pale over there. <laughs> All right. Let's go get a blood transplant. I need a beer. <laughs> <laughs>